Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Lock your doors and pull up your socks. As my mother used to say, I don't know why, but that's what she used to say. <laughs> On Sports Radio 810 WHB. different rooms or at least six feet apart and so matt derrick of chiefs digest and hwb.com certainly not in studio with us right now but on the other end of the phone uh matt did you at any point in the last week or so i will ask you lots of chiefs things very soon but at any point in the last week or two is there anything that you purchased that you're not exactly proud of that you're like you saw it somewhere and then just either picked it up or clicked buy online, and now you just have uh, this item that you don't really need on hand? <sighs> Nothing I've clicked on buy, but I did get in trouble with Nancy um, because I walked past the Hostess Cupcakes two for $5 yep. and could not bypass that. Yep. So, yeah. I think and, that's just you being prepared. And one, one box may already be gone. So, <laughs> well, it's trouble times, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. you're allowed to eat. Hot, it's nope. a, it's a real problem when you start plowing through your quarantine sex. <laughs> yeah, that's. I got a big bag of Easter candy because I was just sort of perusing the grocery store, and there's like I w- I went down the you know the candy section because I'm not trying to be locked in with nothing but you know ramen and frozen pizzas. I got I have I got a little sweet tooth, and so I uh, I grabbed the bag of Easter candy. Like a like a pretty like a pretty big bag of Easter candy, and there has been a dent made in it, and and we opened that last night, so not great. Yeah, I was pretty proud of myself because I did see that they had put some of the Easter candy on sale for I guess you know obvious reasons, right? And I was very proud of myself for managing to push past that, but I think that the the cupcakes are probably going to get me. Yeah, what's your go to Hostess uh, product? You see, you see two for five on Hostess deals. What uh, what are you grabbing? Are you getting two different things? Are you getting all one type? Oh no, it's 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 the cupcakes. I mean, you know, Twinkies are okay, Ding Dongs are okay, but no, the, those cupcakes are deadly in my hands. <laughs> it's like a, you're throwing them like ninja stars. Is what I that's they're deadly oh. in your hands. Yeah, it, it's it would not. I mean, you know, you don't get a body like mine without some hard work and dedication. Exactly right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could four of those could be gone in a heartbeat if I'm not, you know, careful with and, and not, you know, restraining myself. Okay, I have a I have a legitimate question that I've now because I've googled Hostess cupcakes because I thought I knew what I was thinking, but then I googled ding dongs. What is the difference between a Hostess cupcake and a ding dong? Well, a cupcake is just like a cupcake, you know. It's it's got your you know your flour. There's cream in the middle, the white cream, you know, vanilla cream, and then you got the icing on top and the little squiggly. The ding dong is just like the a, a round cake, but then has chocolate fudge on the outside. So I mean, it, but it's just like it's the sides and the bottom just aren't covered with chocolate on the cupcake, and they are on the ding dong. Plus, there's the swirly, like 
white mm. frosting on the top. Is that? Yeah, it, you know, the, the, the cupcake is more cake, and okay. the ding-dong is more icing. And it's a different kind of icing. It's just, just subtly different. I will, I will now be driving, uh, in fact, I think it'll be closed. So first thing tomorrow morning, I'll be waiting outside of some local grocer <laughs> to go in and get a box of each and, and try them both side by side. Because I, I think I've been confusing each of them just for ding-dongs my entire life. And I don't know if they still do it, because I haven't had ding-dongs in a long time. So I, and then what I have, I think it's just had in small packages. It used to be the ding-dongs came in, wrapped in aluminum foil. And I assume that they don't do that anymore for no. you know, cost purposes and everything. But that was the only way to eat a ding-dong, was out of the aluminum foil. I think we made it so much longer with so many more uses of the word ding-dong without <laughs> laughing than I thought we were going to get. But then you talked about ding-dongs in small packages, and I lost it. That was it for there's, me. There's nothing, nothing wrong with ding-dongs. No, there's nothing wrong with a ding-dong in a small package. Nothing at all. I, uh, I think I'm going to pass out because I've uh, tried so hard not to burst out laughing at multiple times throughout this uh, throughout this conversation. My God. All right, Matt Derrick of <coughs> ChiefsDigest.com and 18WHB.com on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Those are all of your uh, those are all of your credentials to talk about Chiefs things, which we will begin doing now because I cannot say ding-dong again. You well, just my, did. My, I, know, I know, but that was the last one for me. Uh, there, there are a handful of little things going on right now, but the, the, the most recent bit of news, and I'm making it like, I'm not even really putting it in air quotes, it's news, uh, the Chiefs signed a quarterback, and it's not just any quarterback, it's Jordan Ta'amu of uh, the, the St. Louis Battlehawks most recently of the, uh, of the now uh, ended first season of the XFL. Um, I think he and PJ Walker were the two guys that seemed most likely to get a job out of the quarterback grouping there. And Tamu ends up with the Chiefs. I, I I don't need you to tell anyone that he's not here to compete with Patrick Mahomes. But what did you make of the Chiefs being the team that ends up landing a guy who who probably had a couple of offers? And then what are they looking for out of him? Yeah, I mean he's hey he's a guy that's got some upside. He's young. I mean still relatively inexperienced because he's just. This is just really a second professional season he's going into, so it's not like he's a journeyman who's been around for a while. Um, but, you know, he kind of fits the read of what uh, Andy Reid would kind of like in a developmental quarterback. I mean, um, has a little bit of athleticism. He's got a big arm. Um, probably the, the one thing that, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen mentioned with him as far as scouting reports go is just, you know, needs help with decision-making and progressions and recognition. And you know what? That's the kind of thing Andy Reid's good at teaching quarterbacks. Yeah. So um certainly seems like a really good fit for Andy Reid as far as a developmental project. Um, you know, obviously the Chiefs have another developmental project with uh, Kyle, Kyle Shermer. Um, so, and the Chiefs, hey, they, they're progressing as though there's going to be a somewhat semi-normal offseason. And this time of year, they would like to have four quarterbacks. I mean, that's just what they like to do as far as being able to have enough guys to throw balls around and you know facilitate the offseason program. So, um, I mean, it makes sense from a lot of standpoints. And you're right. I mean, you know, there probably were a few other teams that they were working against, and you know, he's still not. Hey, he's still not making a ton of money because otherwise they couldn't put him under the salary cap with the way they are right now. Um, but it's a hey, it's an affordable flyer on a, a guy with the upside that they like. And you, you mentioned Kyle Shermer. Uh, it, we're, we're clearly the, these two guys are are competing for that developmental quarterback spot. 
Um, although I believe that Chad Henney's deal ended up being like basically a year guaranteed and like a team option beyond that. Uh, what's the goal whenever we're talking about third quarterbacks under Andy Reid? Like, is it to replace Chad Henney next year? Is that growth that Shermer or or Tamu in his first year with the Chiefs could possibly do? Also, maybe looking at, at no mini camps, maybe no training camp, like all, all of that still up in the air. What do you what do you think is reasonable to expect whenever whenever you look at, at those two guys competing for that third spot and then what the, the Chiefs hope to get out of it? Well, it's interesting because, you know, Andy Reid's got a reputation for sometimes that being second, third quarterback spot that he's had in the past of being a developmental guy that you can bring along and, hey, if it turns into somebody who can play for you and fill in and make a couple of starts in case of an injury, you know, that's great. And, hey, if you can develop him into somebody who looks really good in the preseason and you can flip for draft picks, that was kind of his M.O. in Philadelphia. I mean, he did that with quite a few guys. Um, that hasn't really been what's worked out in Kansas City. I mean, typically the number two quarterback has been, uh, you know, someone with a little bit more experience. You know, Chase Daniel, uh, Nick Foles came through here. You know, Chad Henney, Matt Moore. I mean, these guys are, and especially with Mahomes now, he's been wanting, you know, a veteran in that number two spot that can be a good voice in the quarterback room, somebody that Mahomes can bounce things off of, really be almost a, a, a coach in that quarterback room and have that kind of experience. It's, he hasn't really been looking for that developmental quarterback for the most part in that spot. Um, that's what the number three job's been, and and increasingly it's been for uh, a practice squad quarterback. So it's not necessarily even somebody that is hot in terms of you know maybe other teams being on them and everything and wanting them. So it still seems like that third spot has increasingly been going to uh, undrafted quarterbacks or, you know, or late late round quarterbacks. Um, guys may just have some upside that they want to take a, take a roll of the dice on and see if they can turn into something. Um, so far, they haven't really hit on any of those. So we'll see if one of these guys might break that. But so far, I mean, in recent years, that's been more of the trend with Andy Reid than, you know, spending a draft pick on a guy you know, to groom them and then hopefully, you know, trying to turn them into more picks down the road. So I am at the point in this where I'm going to ask a third question now about the Chiefs' third and fourth quarterback jobs. Uh, because you you mentioned that it hasn't, I, I'm just I'm asking this genuinely, like that it hasn't really panned out uh, with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Like I'm just kind of going, I, I'm I'm essentially starting with like Tyler Bray and then trying to work through since then. Um, of those guys who've competed in that third or fourth spot, is there a success story with Reid in Kansas City? I, I I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, I I can't really think of one. I mean, I think the you know Aaron Murray. I guess the Aaron Murray they took in what the fourth round, I think, and and obviously that didn't pan out for for anybody. Um, Kevin, what's his name that I'm now blanking? Kevin on? Hogan. Kevin, I just Kevin googled Hogan. Kevin there Hogan. Go. And that one went very poorly. Yeah. Well, I mean, he you know he started he started for the Cleveland Browns. It went very and, poorly for the Chiefs, but yes. Uh, yeah, I think he you know he started a few games in the NFL, mm-hmm. so no, not a complete whiff, but. Um, certainly a whiff in the sense that didn't make the team that season, so yeah. um, really couldn't fit in with what the Chiefs were doing offensively. But you're right. I mean, um, they haven't. They, you know, it's been a while since they poured some draft picks into it. I mean, it's really been. I think Murray was probably the last one above sixth round that they put a draft pick onto outside of Patrick Mahomes. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been. You know, I think Tyler Bray was undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, they really haven't done what you know Andy Reid kind of did in Philadelphia, which was 
you know, maybe spend some mid-round picks on an aspiring quarterback and try and coach him up. But, you know, in Philadelphia, he also he didn't do the same thing with his backup. I mean, he was more than willing to go with an unproven commodity and, you know, and give those guys some playing time. And that hasn't been the case in Kansas City. I mean, he's had it so that if his starter goes down, for the most part, he's had a veteran to go in there instead. Yeah, and I don't ask that even to be, like, snarky because the fact that that Henny and then ultimately Matt Moore were good to go uh, in in uh, this particular regular season where Matt Moore came in and then played well as a veteran who Andy Reid had a little bit of trust in, more so clearly than even like than Kyle Shermer. Not a criticism, but also it may be a reminder that, that this may be the only time that we spend the first uh, 10 minutes of football talk talking about that matchup, although training camp will eventually get here in some form, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again then. Um, but you you mentioned that you know that that, that contract couldn't be for very much money because the Chiefs had to fit it under their salary cap. Um, from the NFL's internal cap report, the Chiefs had five hundred and fifty five thousand dollars of cap space, which is lowest in the league by a lot. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later and sort of where I'm at with, with what that number means and doesn't mean and all of that. But from your perspective, you see the Chiefs at the absolute edge of, of the salary cap. Uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, well, I mean, if they're going to, you know, right now they've got, I think with this addition, they've got what 63 players under contract. Um, you know, at this time of year, typically they would have a few more bodies. I mean, um, they would typically maybe be in the low 70s as far as guys that are in a contract going into uh, the beginning of OTAs and off-season workouts. Um, get the draft class that's been coming up, then you're going to add some undrafted players. So, you know, you want to leave spaces for those. Um, but, you know, they haven't been filling that up. Now, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. I mean, they can go out and still add some minimum salary guys uh, because those guys don't add to the salary cap. Right now, you're only counting the top 51 Right. So as long as they're coming in under that threshold or even just a few dollars above, um, you don't have any problems fitting those those guys in. Um, really, at this point, it's just a question of with that salary cap number, you know, we, hey, you can always navigate the cap. But right now, I think the Chiefs are telling us that they see no urgency whatsoever with people that they want to sign or people that they want to keep that they have to urgently carve that salary cap space out right now. I mean, they're clearly, for better or for worse, seemingly uh, happy with where they are and don't have that sense of urgency to go out and spend money right now. And with that as sort of the backbone of, of this, I think I, I think I might have asked you this last Monday, but are you surprised that there has not been a resolution with with uh, Sammy Watkins, LDT, or Chris Jones, and maybe and Chris Jones. Of, of those three guys, are you surprised that any to all of them haven't had, again, a, a kind of a resolution assigned to them? Uh, I think Watkins stands out as really the one that's most obvious that you would think would be a quicker resolution. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that, that seems like an easy decision in the sense that you're the Chiefs, and you want to keep Sammy Watkins, you offer him a renegotiated contract, and either he takes it or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then, you know, you move on to create the cap space. Um, now, if I'm going to put in my tinfoil hat and play some conspiracy theory, which I, I'm sure you'd love me to, love I, to hear. I was going to ask you to do that next <laughs> if you weren't going to do it voluntarily, so this is great. Uh, you know, I, to me, the, uh, the most logical reason for not carving up that cap space right now 
is that the Chiefs' lack of cap room is a leverage point for them in negotiations. I mean, if, mm. if they cut loose Sammy Watkins right now and freed up $14 million worth of cap space, agents could absolutely become into the Chiefs and say, hey, why are you offering my guy a minimum salary deal when you got $14 million to spend? I want, you know, twice that. You know, and right now the Chiefs can go to anybody, whether it's their own free agents or guys outside the organization, say, look, we got no money. You know what? So we can only go 800000 We can only go $1 million. We can't go any higher than that. So, um, to, you know, like I said, conspiracy theory, I have nothing to base that on. But, I mean, to me, that would be the most logical thing to conclude at this point, that it's in their best interest from a, a leverage standpoint that, you know, if if they're still in negotiations with Sammy Watkins, and like I said, if they're in a position where they don't feel like that they're losing anything, that there's that the guys that they want are still in the market – and remember, I mean, that's a factor, too. I mean, we really haven't seen that second wave of free agency develop that yeah. normally comes along. And you've got to conclude that maybe a big part of that is just with all of the other extracurricular things going on in the world right now, um, that the NFL teams are kind of frozen in what they're going to do in free agency. I think that's really interesting. I haven't even I hadn't given that particular conspiracy theory any thought at all. Um, I, so tell me if you think that there is even, uh, while your tinfoil hat is on, if there's anything to explore in the idea that there is some element of negotiation still going on with Sammy Watkins or, or LDT. Um, obviously there is with Chris Jones, but if, but if Chris Jones, that negotiation can go a variety of ways. Watkins and LDT, I mean, I think have three, which is probably either play out their current deal or uh, get cut or get restructured on some level. Chris Jones could be traded, and then what is that for and all of that. Um, do you think that there's any chance that they feel like there's a little bit more wiggle room to win with either Watkins or LDT, or or does that not add up for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, you know, right now they – and I think that fits in with everything that we were talking about here, which is that with no cap space, I think that does give them a little bit of leverage to say, hey, you know what, you know, we need to, we need to we need to renegotiate here. We need to do something to change your cap number because we need the space, you know. And and, and so if you're going to stay here, you're going to be part of a world championship team. That's what we got to do. But I, this one one of the things that stands out to me that I've I've learned about Brett Veach from watching him move the last few years and and talking with him as well is that you know Brett Veach does not do anything before he has to I mean he is I think very disciplined in that regard and and I think he does a really good job with strategic thinking and realizing that in that you know he doesn't have to make if he doesn't have to make a move he's not going to until he's forced to and and I think that generally in this, his line of work, that's the, that's the way to act. I mean, I, I think you act prematurely sometimes, and it can put you in some bad spots. Um, now, that's not to say that, hey, sometimes you can't oh, you know, wait too long. But you know what? With an LDT, with a Sammy Watkins, if, if you're going to – let's say you are going to cut those players, there's absolutely no difference between now and July 1. I mean, there's absolutely no financial benefit to doing it faster or earlier. So what you're really buying yourself is time. And right now, I mean, like I said, if, if they do not feel the sense of urgency that there is a player out there that they absolutely have to get, and it's worth more to them than, you know, playing it out with Sammy Watkins and playing it out with, with Larry, um, you know, there's no reason to act. 
And I don't think that, any, that Brett Veach is going to just react for no reason. I mean, he's going to, when he makes a move, it's going to be because he has, has a plan. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what about the guys that they signed on Friday? Uh, Mike Remmers and Antonio Hamilton. Hamilton, uh, uh, corner and special teamer. Remmers looks like he'll be a, a swing tackle. He's played all across an offensive line, though, except for center. He spent some time at guard also. Um, these are these are a couple of guys that are filling specific roles, obviously, but what did you make of the Chiefs uh, adding both of them, what they can do, and then also understanding that they have this very limited flexibility and, and found these two guys that they said was worth adding even, giving them even less flexibility going forward? Yeah, you know, to me the thing that strikes me is that they look a lot like two guys that they just lost, specifically Jordan Lucas and Cam Irving. Um, look a lot like those guys, yeah. except that they probably fit what they need a little bit better. Um, you know, with Antonio Hamilton, yes, he and Lucas both, you know, really good special teams guys. Hamilton, you might even say, he's probably better graded than that. Um, he can do a lot of the same things that not just Jordan Lucas, but Marcus Kemp did for this team as well. Yeah. Um, the catch being is he's a corner, so it's going to be easier for him to fit onto this roster at the position that they need some bodies and some competition at much more than at safety. So I think it makes that makes sense from a lot of standpoints there. Um, Rimmers, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, once again, it's a swing offensive lineman, a lot like Cam Irving, uh, a little bit more experience, uh, definitely more experience starting inside, uh, probably better graded as a tackle, which this team continues to need a, a swing tackle. Um, so they've got a guy that can play either tackle position, could start at left guard if you need it, um, that, and that fits perfectly with really what they need competition-wise on the offensive line right now. Is there anything at this point that that would worry you as we're another week through free agency? You mentioned that second wave hasn't really hit. You have really the first wave began, you know, just with the legal tampering period um, and then maybe lasted kind of through uh, those couple of days of that sort of of that section. But now on, on this side, as the Chiefs are telling us, they don't see anything urgent and they're they're telling us that there's nothing uh, that they have to do that is more important than figuring out their futures with Watkins and LDT and Chris Jones, all for, for varying reasons. Is there anything right now that you go, oh, man, I, I did think the Chiefs were going to act on that within the first week of free agency? You know, no, because, I mean, like I said, I mean, yeah, they spent all their money the last two seasons trying to get the guys to get them over the hump, yeah. and they did that. And, and now it's no longer about getting over the hump. Now it's you've got a core of guys, and right now it's all about just finding the, the right role players to fit in there at the right price to keep this thing going. And that's really where they're at. So, I mean, going into the offseason, you knew that unless they made, you know, a couple of one or two big decisions with, you know, Jones, Watkins, LBT, unless they did one of these things, they weren't going to have the money to do anything. I think at this point, you know, like we're talking about that second wave of free agency, you know, when you usually you get some guys who start to sign for a little bit less money than maybe they were expecting to, um, and you can find some bargains out there. The catch is that, you know, that the Chiefs have, can't really take advantage of that. So if there's a player out there and you're looking at maybe their own free agents, and I'd say maybe a Bashad Breland and a Demarcus Robinson kind of fit into this category, they're not signed yet. Clearly the market hasn't developed maybe the way that their representation expected it to. Maybe they're available at what would have been considered a month ago at below market value. 
but you're not in a spot to be able to take advantage of that because you have no cap space. Um, that's the, really the only thing I think that they're running into at this point. But as we said, I mean, if if those prices do drop down, or there's even outside free agents who, you know, prices drop down in this you know second or third wave of free agency, they can carve out that space pretty quickly. So I, I you know, at this point, like you said, I mean, I said it's, I think it's just a matter of when you reach a point in the free agent period that prices drop to where Brad Veach says, you know what, there's some bargains, let's make our moves now. Breland is like the perfect thing right now, the perfect name where I, I either thought that, you know, he would, that he'd get three years, 24 million from some, that might be too high, but maybe three years, 21, something like that with, you know, the guaranteed being up front. But like, maybe, maybe he'd get a deal like that out of the gate as a guy who played well on a Super Bowl winning team and the Chiefs just get priced out. But if his market did miss and the Chiefs had an opportunity to give him a, a multi-year deal that he'd be happy with, or even to keep trying shorter deals, although he even had a tweet towards the beginning of free agency. I think he's looking for a, a long-term deal finally because he's had a, a couple one years in a row. Let, let's say that that market fell somewhere, and I'll let you tell me if there's a number in mind that makes sense for you from the Chiefs' perspective, but if, if that market ends up not being there for Breland and he does want to be back in Kansas City, what would the move be? Do, do the Chiefs then have their hand forced a little bit in terms of you know, making the the call on Sammy Watkins. Do you think there's another name? Is it maybe it's Dan Sorensen or something where you could free up a few million dollars to be able to give yourself the flexibility? Could that not come? Could they perhaps be waiting for a Chris Jones deal to get done? Because then they could they could free up ten million dollars like that just by restructuring Chris Jones's long term deal as opposed to the franchise tag. Um, that is a question about both Bashad Breland and everything else. So dissect it as you will, but uh, that is the question, and no, there was never a question mark. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, hey, there's it, there's a choose-your-own-adventure kind of aspect to it, which yeah. is that, yes, there are some really big names you can point to immediately and say, hey, you know, Sammy Watkins has got a big number you can negotiate down. Um, Chris Jones, obviously, in the same boat. Um, and then, you know, there's other players as well. I mean, you know, you could, I mean, if, you know, and there's some teams around the league who have been doing this, you look at maybe the guys who are, you know, making the $1.5 million that you can, you know, if you release them and sign them back, I mean, um, uh, there's a couple of teams have been making those kind of procedural moves, mm-hmm. you know, there's ways to create a little bit of cap room here and there. I mean, there's other contracts that you can, Hey, you could always restructure and renegotiate, um, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill's not in that ballpark, really, but you know Tyreek Matthews' contract, you could certainly do that with. You could, you could do the exact same thing you did with Frank Clark, uh, give him some bonus money, bring that number down. Um, you know, they're probably a little bit of a hard spot in that there's, they've already done that with a few guys. You know, they've done it with Mitchell Schwartz, they've done it with Eric Fisher, so you're kind of in a tough spot with them. And then there's other guys that have decent cap numbers that hey, you'd like to maybe you could renegotiate with to bring their numbers down. But in order to do that, you're going to have to give them a ton more money. And in that case, you know, I think like a Travis Kelsey, yep. which, you know, you could be at a point where it's time to renegotiate there. But, you know what, Travis Kelsey's looking at the tight end market right now and saying, oh, yeah, uh, but I want a ton of money yep. to renegotiate my contract. I was I was looking at Kelsey, and I've been thinking about it. We've talked about it a little bit here and there. Like his his cap situation, I'm, I'm going to say this as a point of, of 
data that they could cut Travis Kelsey and free up $7.2 million this year. Um, the, the reason I'm pointing that out is because that's indicative of, of him not having as much locked in. Um, but if all of that being said, if I was Brett Veach, I would be trying to avoid eye contact with Travis Kelsey whenever the facilities open back up because he is on such a team-friendly deal that, that that's one that seems like an obvious restructure candidate that, that like you said, I wouldn't want to touch because it, his deal is just about as good as it can get right now And other than the fact that it's a $11 million hit this year, which is still unbelievably good value for Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and the, and the weird, really quirky thing with Kelsey's deal is that he's got a, what, 8.7 hit next year? Yeah. Which means it's actually less in 2021 than it is in 2020. And with the rate that the tight end market is going, I mean, an 8.75 hit for Kelsey in 2021, even at age 31, is a ridiculous bargain. So yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I would not touch Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't even I would call his agent. I wouldn't look at him. No, no. <laughs> just, just stay away from that. Don't even broach the subject. Uh, Matt, thank you for uh, for making the time to uh, socially interact with us from a distance. You can uh, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Read everything at ChiefsDigest.com. Also, you can read him at 18WHB.com. Uh, Matt, I think I've covered everything. Good luck not eating the next box of Ho-Hos or Ding-Dongs or Twinkies or Cupcakes or whatever it is. Also, Cupcakes doesn't have a fun alliterative name, and that's upsetting to me. Uh, but with whatever it is that you've got stored away, uh, stay there, and then we'll try to do this again next Monday. That sounds great. And after listening to your first hour, let me pass on to you that I hope, and I can say this you know, in a fun way, that I hope that you have a dog peeing all over the place soon. You're just going to hang up with him on him. I can't I'm not in the moon. I can't in the room. I'm, I can't hit the button. That's so <laughs> hateful. That is the hateful, hateful, hateful Matt Derrick. That is, I am saying it with love. Why do you want a dog peeing all over my apartment? Because it means the dog is healthy. No, the dog peeing all over my apartment means it, it's unhealthy. The dog needs to be peeing, Josh. Let out, the out, dog be comfortable peeing. Outside. It needs to pee outside. That's where <laughs> dog pee goes, Matt. Sometimes I just gotta go. We don't all I, have cats that pee in little boxes. We had a we had a poodle when I was a kid named Mike, and Mike was very very disciplined about you know going outside. But one day he apparently did not get to go outside when he wanted to, and I kid you not, he went over to the fireplace and very very accurately peed into the base <laughs> of a brass candlestick. Into the base of a candlestick? Yes. It was a brass candlestick, and he filled it up to the top. I don't have that kind of aim. No, I, I, I have no idea how he pulled it off. It was fantastic. Uh, the other thing here that I don't think we should overlook is that you cannot name a dog Mike. <laughs> that's, a, that's a person's name. That's so weird. I could not handle someone going, come here, Mike. Mike. Mike the, it was Mike the Poodle. Mike the Poodle sounds like a mob boss. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. It's Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mac Derek. Go to break, Beards. You can't even see me. This is almost entirely sports with Joshua Briscoe. The problem is that I, I, the joke was so bad that I, I did find it funny. It was just sort of all of the, it was sort of all of the frivolities that got us there that really, it made it not feel quite so worth it. You know? Yeah, ninety nine percent of people have no idea what you just said there. Frivolities. I guarantee you, ninety nine percent of people listen have no idea what that word means. You know why? I don't know what that word means. <laughs> On Sports Radio 810.
WHB. Derek of Chiefs Digest for joining us. I don't think you can name a poodle Mike. Um, I'm going to tweet that out as a poll question. I should have done it during the break, but I just sort of thought about tweeting it out as a poll question. Is it okay to name a dog Mike? Should it specifically be a poodle? So I think na- any dog. I yeah, guess. naming dogs like people names is a little weird, but like there are some like dogs that like fit with, with names better, right? Mike and Poodle doesn't mix. I mean, like no. again, you shouldn't. You should probably not call your dog a human name, but especially if you have like a poodle. But if or it's like a like really an English dog. bulldog, yeah, or something. an English bulldog can, can be Mike, and that's a little bit. I was gonna say feels more right. Uh, something else named Mike is fine. Naming a poodle Mike does not work. Yeah. Okay, so I've tweeted out the poll question at JB Briscoe. Is it okay to name a poodle Mike? Or like, I feel like a wiener dog shouldn't be named Mike. I think that might be like ironic at that point, actually. You know. But if I think if I like Mike DiMaggio works here, his mm-hmm. name is name is Mike. You yes. may have gotten that from me saying his name. If I was like, hey, what kind of dog is Mike? Like I'm thinking about basically the 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 gray dog from Tom mm-hmm. and Jerry. You know, Ooh, yeah. that's kind of kind of that's that's yeah, a, that's kind of a Mike dog. Yeah. You know, but that's Mike also living up. That's that's DiMaggio living up to his name. Mm-hmm. It could be a standard poodle. A standard standard poodle will bleep you up. Those are big no, dogs. For sure. It can't be named Mike, look, though. Look, though, wise. Mike the Poodle. Yeah. Eh. It, I don't think that you can name a Poodle Mike. I would say to try to limit your... It's also This might be a male dog thing, because like my family had two dogs, still has one of the two, named Gabby and Annie. But those are both... They both end in E sounds. Yeah. It's kind of cutesy. I've known more dogs named Gabby than people named Gabby. I think mm-hmm. if you're named Gabby and listening, I'm sorry, but you have a dog name, not the <laughs> other way around. Um, I think that's my verdict. Sorry, everyone listening named Gabby. Uh, I'm sure someone probably. Yeah, is. like I, I'm trying to think of like our dog names, and like we had uh, Pongo. Pongo is not Pongo. a human. A human could not be named no. Pongo. I just, I, I'm now trying to remember though, and and it's killing me that I can't remember. Come here, Mike. Um, what? We had a a a, uh, a female lab, and it had like a it had like a girl's name, but it you ended with an E. Your dog's name. And I now like, it started with an M, and I can't remember. My family had a dog named was. Gizmo. That's a little, that's Giz- little dog name. Gizmo is a great name, but also Gizmo name. should be like a little. Uh, I forget what they're called from Gremlins. I call him a Gizmo. Beards. Do you remember? Oh, um, like a, it starts with an M, like a Magua. <sighs> Uh, Magui, Maggie, M A G U I, Magui. It's Magui. That's what it is. It's a Magui. It was a little white terrier. Yeah. So it, I think it worked out pretty well, probably. Yeah. No, that works because Gizmo's little and it's cute. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I just but like you can't name your dog like like Mary. You can't. That's not a dog's name. Beers, do you have any dog name? Like like Scout is the dog currently mm-hmm. attempting to not pee in um, my apartment. That's you know that's that's a litter that's a literature reference, but it's it's you, you don't know anyone named Scout. My I mean, I know. my family never had dogs, or my grandparents had three when I was alive, or when what when you were yeah you were a ghost I'm because a ghost. you're a ghost. Um, one of them was <laughs> uh one was this Nowser named Casey. Walking the line. Uh, one, I don't remember what kind of breed he was, but his uh, name was Jake. 
I don't think you can have a dog named Jake. I know Jake's. And then there was a border collie named Wilson. And that fit. See, Wilson's kind of good because Castaway has made it to where yeah. Wilson can be a name for anything. Yeah. Now, I don't know how long ago it was when your grandparents named these dogs, so I don't know if Castaway was a movie. Oh, but, um, no, like, it was not a movie at that but, point. But Wilson is, is now a name that you like. You can name anything Wilson. But if you if you go, come here, Jake, come here, that's a good boy. If you say that in the radio station, Jake Gutierrez will come and literally kick you off the yes. balcony. You He'll can't just, do that. Yeah, he will kick you. I'm trying exactly to remember right. what kind of dog this was. I just think that there's an issue there with uh, with this with, it's with a little weird. male dog uh-huh. names. I don't disagree with you. Um, do you want me to make a really uh, prescient point in like five minutes? Let me try to do a let me try to do a very serious Chiefs thing while everybody else panics. I guess if you want to. Dog names the salary cap talk. Here we go. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> so we mentioned this with Matt last segment. The, the Chiefs uh, have about 500 grand in salary cap space, which is the least in football by a lot. Patriots are at 2.8 million. The Falcons are at five with 14. And then so, you know, it's, it's 500 grand, 2.8, 9, 10, 14 million dollars among the teams with the five least amount of uh, amounts of, uh, of salary cap space. That is usually not a good sign. You, you want your team to have flexibility. But I think it's a little bit like looking back at the drafts of the last several years for the Chiefs and going, they don't have any first-round picks. This sucks. Well, one of them was used for Patrick Mahomes. The other one was used for Frank Clark. So I think we're okay here. Are now, we? I think we are. I think we actually are. And the salary cap one is mm. even less important than the than the uh, exaggeratory first-round draft pick comparison that I just made. And I just desperately want everyone listening to not overreact to this in in the, the chief salary cap conversation because this doesn't this is not permanent. They are one move away from freeing up $14 million of salary cap space if they choose to do that. Sammy Watkins can just disappear. Uh, you could keep LDT and still have $14 million. That signs your draft class and gives you enough money to sign $9 million of free agents elsewhere. Or you get that long-term deal with Chris Jones done, you could free up about $10 million. But I'm not even saying that. I'm saying in the snap of a finger, they could free up $10 million in salary cap space, or $14 million of salary cap space by just letting Watkins walk. So that that makes that number mean a whole lot less. The flexible number is is different. But the other thing here that I think is important to, to realize, and, and Matt mentioned this in terms of finding the guys that get you over the hump as a team, it is a super talented roster that has a bunch of big cap hits this year on mostly pretty good contracts. And so, look, look, I would love more salary cap space. I've always enjoyed that element of the game. And I, I enjoy that element of talking about a team during the offseason. I would love more cap space, but not nearly as much as I love the Chiefs having Clark, Hill, Matthew, Jones, etc. Somebody on Twitter even asked, like, hey, does that include Chris Jones's franchise tag? And yes, it does. It's $16 million on the cap right now. So if they follow the Frank Clark structure and get that number down to 6 to $8 million, you can do that pretty easily in year one. Just again, following the Clark structure, which I think is pretty reasonable, mm-hmm. and then you add, uh, you, you add eight to ten million dollars in salary cap space to this year's team immediately. But again, right now they are waiting on Watkins for reasons I don't fully understand. Even taking 
Matt's uh, tinfoil hat theories. And they're waiting on LDT for reasons that I do think are probably explainable. We talked to Ryan Tracy on, was that Friday? It was last week. It was probably Friday. We, we talked to him about yeah, you know, his, his, his hopes that LDT could return to a, a higher level after mm-hmm. not coming off of injury directly. Uh, you know, one one year after the the injury and, and all of that, like his like leg was broken with a spiral fracture, like it was not good. With with all of that, though, again, please remember that like this is this is how it's built, and it's not because again, like look, you can you can walk me over to the Rams, and I'm gonna look at their their salary cap situation with a much more critical eye than I give to the Chiefs. But it's not because the Chiefs are the hometown team or because the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl, which they did do, by the way. Hold on. The Woo! Chiefs... Oh, no, that's okay. Oh, hold on. We're in a new room. It's not just because they won the Super Bowl. It's, it's because the deals that we're stressed about right now are pretty good ones. The Watkins is, is the worst, but it's the easiest to move. Uh-huh. Eating $7 million in dead cap space sucks, but if it frees up 14, that's a ratio everybody's pretty happy with. Frank Clark's deal, as of right now, I'm I'm perfectly fine with. I don't know if I would have. I've said this so many times. I shouldn't have to restate that. Like, yeah, I wasn't as in on Frank Clark as I am on Chris Jones, but they won the Super Bowl and probably don't without Frank Clark. I think this deal is probably going to work out pretty well. If I had to put my money on, you hear me being hesitant there. Tyree Kill's contract is worth. Every nickel. That one's not even a question mark. Uh, Tyron Matthews' deal is great. That's a three-year deal that they gave out. They're going into year two of. And, yes, his cap hit this year is 16. No, it's because his cap hit last year was significantly lower, as was Frank Clark's, as was Tyreek Hill's. This is where these deals come in with an escalator. And Patrick Mahomes' deal, if they do give him one this offseason, will not hit in this first year mm-hmm. like, like you might think it would because this is how these deals get structured. Chris Jones, currently sitting at 16, would be a, a great value. Eric Fisher at 15. Anthony Hitchens at 12.5 is... I would say that is that is the worst deal we've gotten to going in this order. It's not an apocalypse, but he will be on this team next year as well, like these next two seasons. And so that one you can bat an eye at, and I think that's fine. Travis Kelsey at 11 is robbery. Mitch Schwartz at a little under 11 is robbery. And then it drops to LDT at 9. It's, it's overvalued. They could move on from it if they want. But if they had a restructuring in mind that would free up you know, the the $4 million they'd already be looking for if they cut him this year, and maybe it adds $2 million to his salary next year, but you keep him on the team, I'd be okay with that. Alex Okafor, this is this is the second year of a two-year deal with lots of money locked in. I, if I could undo that deal for this year, I probably would to free up $7 million, but that's not happening. And, and now we're in that range. Damien Wilson also, $5 million, they actually could free up four and a half. I'm a little surprised that they picked up his option, but I digress. And then it's Patrick Mahomes at five million, which is I was going to say a gold star value. Dan, Dan Sorensen at four and a half ish, uh, four seventy five. I would be willing to move away from that number, but if the Chiefs aren't, I get it. This is a this is a, a this is a pretty expensive group here because that happens, and they brought in guys that were going to become expensive. This isn't an accident. And now what it does mean, though, is that your your drafts have to be incredible. 
And you do need to hit on a guy like Traverius Ward, who is giving you CB1 production at CB6 pricing. Like, you, you have to hit on some of those, and the Chiefs have done that. So don't, don't look at the cap number and go, oh, this is a nightmare. They can free up nearly $20 million in two moves. They could free up about 25 by cutting Watkins and then giving Jones the long-term deal. That's another long-term deal. It is, but those hits can, can move around where, where one is bigger this year or the next year or the next year, et cetera. And Chris Jones's number would drop in this 2020 season. It's also, it's not just sweeping things under the rug. It's a little bit different there as well, where it's not just like, oh, yeah, now you love spending, spending money this year. What happens when the bill comes next year? Well, last year's bill is here in terms of salary cap structuring for the Chiefs. The, the, the 2019 bill has arrived, and it cost you Kendall Fuller, and it cost you Emmanuel Ogba. I hope it doesn't cost you Chris Jones, and, and I hope it doesn't cost you being able to give Patrick Mahomes every dime that he wants as soon as he wants it. But this being the bill, a team that leads off with Frank Clark, Tyree Kill, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, Eric Fisher— as, as its highest-paid guys, assuming Watkins either restructures significantly mm-hmm. or is released, that's a pretty nice build to get. You're, you're, still, you're still getting some excellent value, and your meal was great that you're now paying for. So I, I hope people don't freak out about the five hundred grand in cap space thing because it's not the easiest setup, no, um, but it's, it's, hardly, it, it's hardly the um, wrought iron handcuffs that, that lots of people have... Um, feared or even suggested by way of of Twitter. You also just start to like free up more money next year. Like with, like starting next year, you're finally yep. past the Eric Berry phase. Yep. Like eight like million cur- dollars they're carrying yes. right now. Like currently, and, and now this is the Chiefs only have 28 players in a contract for next season. Mm-hmm. So like this is going to uh, decrease because you're just going to sign players. Absolutely. Chiefs have 68 and a half million in, in salary cap space for next year. Now that's going to change. You're going to sign Patrick Mahomes. There's going to be a cap hit now. Whether or not it's a big or small cap hit, we'll see, depending on when exactly he gets the extension, all that yep. stuff. We'll see with Chris Jones. You know, those two alone could take a pretty good chunk of that. But you're going to sure. go into next offseason, you know, feeling in, in a good spot financially. You're not going to have the most money. But here's the thing. If you have the most money, like cap space-wise, you're drafting in the top 10. Yep. Like, you're a bad team. Right. Like, you're like like look at every year the teams with the top 10 most money. Bad teams. Yep. Like that's just the, that's just the case. You're gonna, but they're gonna be in a good position next offseason. And you get a little larger hit from Frank Clark. Yeah. You get a little larger hit for Tyron Matthew and Ty and Tyree Kill. You have flexibility with Eric Fisher. I don't know what that ultimately ends up looking like. Um, you still have no flexibility with Anthony Hitchens. You don't want the flexibility you're getting with Mitch Schwartz. He's fine right there. But then you're out of the LDT deal mm-hmm. unless you restructure. You're out of the Alex Okafor deal. Kelsey's number, like Matt said last segment, actually goes down. You, there are a lot of other little pieces that the guys will move in and out. You're right. I mean, you're in a very good spot. Looking looking to 2021 is tough right now because there are so many dudes and I just just yeah. guys that are not on the roster right there. Tough choices will come, but these are good tough choices. Again, to to go back to what Matt said one more time, this last off season was about bringing in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew to change the defense, a- and and then keeping the offensive guys you have. This offseason, for me, is about keeping Chris Jones and keeping those stars together, and then you're, you're, you're just patching in holes. Nobody has a perfect wall built or whatever, 
but but the bricks are all there. You're just you're just getting the 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 mortar between them at this point. And uh, I think the Chiefs are in a honestly a, a pretty good place. I, I I hope that they get Chris Jones locked up long term. I hope they can do whatever they feel is best with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be the quarterback in Kansas City for the next decade, regardless of what happens this offseason, unless, you know, they, like, deeply offend him. But even then, Deshaun Watson will probably be the quarterback in Houston for the next decade, and his head coach is actively reckless towards him. Mm -hmm. So even that at some point, I don't know. But, But Mahomes will get figured out. I really hope that Chris Jones does, and the Chiefs have the space and the flexibility to make choices with space even though it doesn't necessarily look like it. It's very serious Chiefs talk. Let's take a break, and we'll talk about your dog names again next. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. With Joshua Briscoe. Daddy's always happy. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. I don't even remember what that video was from well enough to explain it to people. Uh, That was Gordon Hayward finding out he's going to have his third girl. Out of three kids. Oh, that's right. By the way, it's Gordon Hayward's birthday. That's why I put it. <sighs> Somebody get him an ankle for his birthday. Maybe a boy. Maybe a son. Maybe a team that you know is he enjoys playing for. That's what I was gonna say, actually. Maybe a good basketball team. Oh, for three, team. I, oh, for three, I guess. Bad birthday. I can't see beards, as we've established. Rudy and I are in a side studio, and uh, and Beards is in the control room tonight. And so sometimes I can look at Beards and just see, well, he's going to give us nothing here. Yep. But that time I had to just wait, and so I got a very quiet, far away from the microphone laugh that I that I knew meant <laughs> I've got nothing. Go ahead, guys. Keep talking. So I will. Yeah, basically. Just that look of hatred in his face, you know, just like. Just <sighs> absolute disdain. Yeah. Did you get a, you said they got a, there's a text you wanted to read. 913-912-4810. Oh, yes. Uh from the 720. I'm absolutely naming my next dog Josh. I think that's a good idea. I thought about playing the game of I was like, well, I thought about playing the game of our names as dog names yeah. and I was like, well, but Rudy I think is unfortunately plausible. unfortunately it works. Yeah, but Beards is yeah. a way better dog name. Oh, yeah. That's it's a like uh like I, I imagine a dog like essentially a with like with, yeah that's, that's got a beard yeah. um seven two oh I assume you're still listening because you typically are always listening to the show and interact with us uh, don't don't insult them text 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 <laughs> in what uh what dog it would be oh that's a great like I want to know what kind of dog Josh is gonna be that's a great question gonna be a bitch <laughs> so let's talk about the Raiders something very hyperactive that's probably true craves yeah. attention Jack Russell Terrier just just running around constantly. Always just constantly looking for love. Always needs snacks and belly yeah. rubs. My grand, uh, my grandmother used to have a Shih Tzu. That's, that works. So you can say the name of that dog, but I can't say the name of the TV show that I've been watching. A I lot think of. so. Yeah. I see. I I disagree. What if the I show was called can. Shih Tzu's Creek? Then then that'd be fine. It. I think you can say it. Yeah. The spelling is S C H I T T S. That's correct. Creek. I think it's unfortunately there are people Absolutely. that might not know that. I just said it. So I think Josh is good now the rest of the show. Well, here's the thing is that that's going to be a nine o'clock hour discussion that I want to have among other things. And so with the last moments we have in this hour, I'd like to, I'd like to laugh at the Raiders. Does that sound good for everybody? Ha ha ha. Mike Garofolo tweeted, the Raiders gave Marcus Mariota a two year, $17.6 million deal that includes seven and a half million dollars in the first year as a fully guaranteed base salary. Mariota gets up to 2.4 million. If he plays 60% of the snaps in 2020, 
Another $1.5 million is available in per-game playing time and win incentives. He has $10 million in those incentives available in 2021. Also $2 million in playoff slash Super Bowl incentives each year, plus $12 million in 2021 salary escalator. That's a lot of money and a lot of words for Marcus Mariota. Yeah. It also adds another log to the fire of the Raiders are going to give him a chance. Oh, yeah. they. This is going to be a legitimate kind of open competition. Gruden 100% is not sold on Carr. And, I mean, another Mayock. And we, and we know Mayock liked yeah. uh, Mariota. He talked about it on television. I mean, I think we – Gruden may have done a quarterback camp with Mariota. He did. He probably did, he right? Did. Okay. Yes. Now, Gruden is, like, pretty famous for loving everybody that goes That's on right. the show. That's right. I didn't even but guess if he liked him or not. People like he. People said, though, he did go a little bit above and beyond with Mariota than he typically does with the other guys. I understand trusting your own original scouting and everything. I don't mm-hmm. even hate that. I hate it as the solution to a quarterback problem, though. Like, did ca- – Carr versus Mariota training camp battle. Yeah. I mean, it's Tannehill Mariota, but but role reversed and it's, the guy that got replaced by Tannehill. Who it's, also it's different, overhang. I think, if if Mariota was essentially more like, say, Josh Rosen, where he'd only been in the league for a year or two and yeah. never really gotten a chance. Bad but Mariota was a starter for yep. four or five years yeah. before this. So, I mean, like he's played plenty of games. And I do think, like, you can get better with the right coaches. You look at Alex Smith compared to where he was prior to Harbaugh and Andy Reid. But even, but again, like the best of Alex Smith was still not was not a quarterback. Every the best of Alex Smith, you still had to have everything go right to have a chance at a Super Bowl. So yep. I would assume the best of Mariota is probably the same. Where everything else has to go perfect to have a chance, and even then, that chance is not great. I also think that's loosely true about Derek Carr. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, like, I completely that's, agree. That's yeah. what frustrates me is if you have Derek Carr and you're not sold on him, I totally get it. I wouldn't be either. Draft somebody. Yeah. Find the guy you like and then draft somebody. Beard, stop banging <laughs> on the wall. I know we have to go to break. I don't need you to bang on the wall to tell me. We'll do I, it. I just knocked a piece of paper off the wall again. Yeah, good. You know what? I'm glad. Okay, now while he's putting the paper up on, go, go to break. Go to break. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.